This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Oh, hi! 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 Hey! Hey! You're back! <laughs> How the heck are you? I'm fucking exhausted after last I'm week. I'm sorry. I know. I hate to. I hate to leave you hanging. When our when our vacations don't line up, we're both like, okay, I guess I'll go it alone. Yep. It's never the same. (laughs) Well, I know that there's a lot of people after nine faithful that are real excited that you're back because while some people enjoy the solo Scott, not everybody does. And I'm well aware of that. And I warned everybody this time last week, if you don't like this sort of shit, just take a week off. So now you're back. Hopefully the audience is too. And Shit went crazy Dude, on your trip. I've got stories for you guys. Stories. Where to begin? So I told everybody you were in the Caribbean, but I didn't say specifically yeah. where. Okay. So let me do a quick, uh, I'll give you a quick recap of that because a lot of questions. When I, Even when I posted stories and stuff like, where are you? What resort? Do you recommend it? How do you like it? Would you t- pick this over that? So I'm going to give you the Coles notes on that first because uh, overall, I did have a good week, a very good week. Some shit just went down in between uh, in the beginning and toward the end of my trip. That's all. So I'll explain in a sec. And every, everyone's okay, but they included hospital visits, guys. Twice. So, two times. Not one, but two. To the point where, by the way, in the ER, they looked at me and went, you're back? <laughs> the girl knew me. She's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, fuck, another kid. Must have been like deja vu oh for them. Oh, my God, guys. It was fucked. So I went to Dominican Republic, and this was a family trip. We have been trying to do this for a, a long time and get, gather a lot of people and Anyone with extended families who wants to do anything like this, you know it's hard to even find a week. So we did. Um, I never go away in November. I got to say, I never, I never do it. Uh, But anyway, I was like, yeah, I'm in for whatever we do. So there was about 20 of us. um, And it it was really great because I got to hang out with my cousins that I don't really get to spend as much time as I'd like to with. And my aunts and uncles were there. My parents were there. My brother and his family was there. So it was really nice. Dominican Republic, it was the uh, Barcello Bavero Palace. That's where we stayed. DR, my first time there. I've done Mexico a bunch of times. I've done Jamaica. I've done Bahamas. So Dominican Republic, they're all different in a lot of d- different ways. Because sometimes I, I go and I'm like, ah, it's kind of similar, but a little different. Dominican, great beaches. The resort itself, phenomenal in terms of like cleanliness, staff, um, all of that, attentiveness. Like they were amazing. They were on it. No complaints about the actual resort at all. The food in Dominican though, I mean, I'm not even, you know me, I'm not a foodie. And even before I left, I heard that food isn't great. And I've heard that about Cuba, but I've never been. So I can't speak on that. Uh, It really, it wasn't. It's not great, I had to to book an a la carte like every day after the first couple times at the buffet. Because for me personally. It's okay. You don't need to be nice. The food is shit. The food's not great. (laughs) Like it's not what we're used to here. That's the thing is, and I understand it's not, it isn't North America. Like, like, so so substitutions that they had there were not nothing that I would ever substitute any of my food with. You know what I mean? I'm just like, what is this? And is this sausage? I don't think so. I've never seen, I haven't seen any cows roaming around, but yet there's a hamburger here. So where did this come from? Right. And it's gray. It's It's, it's not. Yeah. So there was a lot of like questions in terms of food. If you're a foodie and you're going for the food, you have to book an a la carte every single night or you're going to be highly disappointed. My, my opinion. And this is coming from a non foodie. Okay. So, and my kid wouldn't eat like anything except for pasta the whole freaking week. So, 
that part, fine. Um, aside from that, I'll tell you about the hospital visits real quick. So first full day. So I arrive on the Friday. Friday night was great. Saturday, there's like a water park outside of our hotel room, which is great. Brought my kids. And my, my oldest slipped and fell and bumped her chin. And I was like, oh, no, come over here. I'm sure it's fine. I'm just get a Band-Aid. I could see like the tissue hanging out ah. of her underneath her chin, like right there underneath her chin. Yikes. I could see it like coming out. And I thought, oh, no, this requires more than a Band-Aid. So there was a clinic on site. But the guy at the clinic confirmed, yes, she needs stitches and we can't do it here. I was like, no. Why, so the, why can't they do stitches there? They said it. What They don't have the sanitary. Well, I appreciate it because I don't want her to get anything. So they said that it just wasn't sanitary enough <laughs> there, essentially. Like they needed a proper environment. So I had to cart her to the hospital uh, to get it done. Six stitches. And then came back. So that was fine. And then about five or six days in, my youngest starts getting sick. She had a fever. She threw up. And she had an ear infection. So anytime she gets a fever, she throws up. That's hand in hand. But she had an ear infection. So I started to get nervous because I'm like, we're kind of close to the flight time. And they won't, like, you're not supposed to fly with an ear infection. Especially in middle ear. She had a middle ear infection specifically. Now, is this because somebody peed in the pool and she put her head under the water? No, I don't. Well, because she had a fever and stuff like that too. I have no idea what she caught. But she's very susceptible to anything. Like, she's the one that when we travel, inevitably she gets sick. She's the one that gets sick all the time. And she's young still, right? Like, she's four. So back to the clinic I go. So I go into the clinic, saw a different doctor who tells me that he can't flush her ears there and I have to go to the hospital. Now, I'm going to call bullshit on that one. I call bullshit on my second hospital drive because there's no way they couldn't just take saline or whatever the solution was and spray in her ears at the clinic. Like, give me a freaking break. You just got a cut of whatever it was. Give me a break. Yep. You refer someone to the ER and there's some sort of a kick. I think so too. I think there really is. So they flushed out her ears, gave her eardrops, medication worked really quickly, but we had to push our flight. She couldn't fly. So the doctor wrote a note and said 48 hours minimum from now. So I had to push the flight. So I didn't get home until 10 o'clock last night. I was supposed to be home on Saturday. I, I need a day. I'm the per- type of person that needs a day buffer to like sort my shit out and get everything together. And I didn't get my day buffer. So I literally like had like six, six hours sleep rolling back into work. You were probably thinking Saturday night was going to be paradise because you were going to be back in your own bed yeah. and the house is already decorated for Christmas. Yes. And you've probably been sharing a room with your kids and your husband for a week People, and you were just wanted your own shit back. Absolutely. And not to mention all the relatives that came in and out, in and out all the time, like popping in and out because we were on the main floor there, so right by the pool. So they were like always in our room. So yeah, I went and doing laundry. Like I just like a day. I just like a day. I got zero time. So how does it work when you go to a hospital in the Caribbean? Do you yeah. have to pay money? Okay, so yes, you do. But um, and thank God insurance covered everything for us. I don't know how much it would have been, but I can tell you just to see someone at the clinic at the resort was 200 US. Just to see the doctor, not even to get any ref- anything else. So you paid $200 for this guy to look at your kid's chin and say, stitches, Off to the go hospital. to the hospital. Exactly. That was 200 bucks US? Yeah. Okay, so... Now you've been told after your second hospital visit with your younger daughter, you can't fly. Then what do you do? What did you phone the airline or did you phone the the hotel? Well, that, what, what goes on there? That was a whole other gong show because I, first of all, air tra- there was an air transat rep there. Right now, that's what I used, air transat. They're not paying me for this, but they were very nice there. Very nice. But the guy was basically like, no, you have to buy a new flight and buy the hotel room for the night. You couldn't just pay transfer, reschedule your flight? Apparently not. And that's what I, because I was just in, at that point, like, do whatever you have to do. I I just did it. But I got a call with Air Transat after this show. 
and and chat with them on that. But insurance will cover it anyway. I did call my insurance company and they were like, we'll cover it, but just make sure that they are not going to cover some of it. Check your policy kind of thing first. Ah. Because they don't want to pay it. Right. It was two grand to stay an extra night and change the flight. So you could probably. The whole trip for four people was 5000 but for one night, 2000 US dollars. That's insane. Riddle me this. That math ain't mathin'. That's gouging. And the resort was empty. Like the resort was not like everyone, everything was full and there's nothing they could do for us. The plane was half empty. It was just anyway. Okay. So sounds Taking like. Taking advantage of. Basically, that's what they're yes, doing. Yes. Very much. Like, even to stay in our own room because that would have pain in the ass, right? So we were like, okay, so we don't want to move to a different suite because they were going to put us in a different suite. $400 just to stay in the room. Like. Bullshit. <laughs> like you heard, you heard probably going to be covered by insurance. So you upcharged us. That's exactly what happened. Huh? Yeah. Did they know they must've known you had insurance, right? And they figured. Cha-ching. Yeah. So I don't think they cared. Okay. But we were just like at the point where we were like, just do what you have to do. Let me see if I can assess the level of anger or frustration or indifference here. Would you go back to that resort? Okay, so it really has nothing to do with the resort itself. It's clean and everything's great, but I would probably try something different. It's a really big resort, which some people like. I kind of like them a little bit smaller. Ah, okay. <laughs> I like a smaller, quainter resort. Would you fly Transat again? Yeah. Really? I would. Okay. Yeah. Great. And I assume you're happy with the insurance coverage that you have. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. I wonder how much that costs them. I would like to know. I would love to know. But I didn't pay. The, like the insurance company actually, they did direct billing, which was really, really helpful. But I would like to know what that bill was. I would imagine it was not cheap. You know what occurs to me, though, is it's a good thing that you had your cards with you and you've got a little bit of money in the bank. A lot, everybody. But <laughs> I think that... <laughs> This is good, though, because how many people go on a trip and it was all they could save up for to get on the trip. Then you get there and something happens that you aren't expecting and they jam you with a $2,000 bill. And this is why I would say to anybody who's planning a trip, get get the extra coverage, whatever it is, just get it. Whether it's cancellation insurance or medical insurance, if you don't automatically have it with your provider, A, check to make sure you might have it through your credit card. You might have it through your insurance, your benefits. If not, it is absolutely worth getting, guys, because what a pain in the ass it is if you have to pay out of pocket. So I would strongly recommend that you do it. I don't understand the people who spend like six grand on a trip and then they don't add the extra coverage for $80. They're like, well, but we might not need it. Like, okay, okay you but do if you, you. Nine times out of 10, you don't. And then you feel like you pissed away $80, though. Yeah. I mean, that's me. Well, when you're traveling with young kids, I would say especially, you could take a risk as an adult for sure. But if something happens to you, I'm telling you, it's they will gouge you gouge you if you're not covered huh. so it's worth the extra little bit of money for that peace of mind alone okay we have a special guest that we're going to talk to on after nine in just a sec and i want to let you know that at the end of this episode you can hear today's missed connections which begins with a father of three who didn't have a very good time at farm boy <laughs> recently that's on the way a couple more quick questions yeah did you light it up oh yeah really? you know who i went with so you know my uncle Oh, uh, I know. You know my uncle. Cat, I knew Cat's <laughs> uncle before Cat and I knew each other. Him and I, our, our paths crossed and, and we became friends. And then I found out you guys were related. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. He still, he still has it. I'll tell you that much. The guy can like, oh yeah. It, so we, yes, we had a very, we did have a really, really, really fun time. Like a great time. Would you do it again? Try and ra- wrangle up the entire family to all go? Absolutely. I would probably recommend like a Muskoka getaway so that we don't have to worry about being in a foreign country right. next time. If shit goes down. You want the safety blanket of OHIP. (laughs) 
Got it. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Were you paying attention to any of the news while you were gone? Like, did you hear the actor strike is over and everything? I did hear about that. Yeah. So a little bit. I did hear bits and pieces. Yeah. Okay. And I'm very glad to hear that, by the way. That's great news. Good. Other than that, there's nothing else going on. Everybody's getting along. The world is at peace. There's no issues. No, no, nothing. The economy is thriving. Everything is just great. You've come back at the perfect time. Well, that was a little sarcastic. Well, it's good timing for our guest, isn't it? It certainly is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Uh, longtime friend of the Scott and Cat show and uh, an infrequent golfing partner of mine. He is a licensed insolvency trustee. Chris Welker joins us on After 9. How you doing, Chris? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. We, uh, we've been trying to set this up for so long. We can organize a golf game. Like that. Trying to set up an interview? I'm busy here. I'm busy there. It just never works out. So thank you for finally coming in. It's gl- I'm glad it worked out. This is great. I'm, uh, I'm glad you're here because all last week, Cat, on After 9, we were doing the solo Scott stuff, and we talked a lot about the economy. And one of the things, Chris, that I cannot wrap my mind around is why there's no coverage of it. Like, I have to assume that with the rates, the interest rates going crazy the way they have, inflation... People must be like losing their homes and having their cars repoed, but you'd never know if you watch the news. There's like no coverage of it. And I feel like it's the biggest story that nobody is talking about. So with you here now, I think this is a perfect opportunity because you deal with people all the time who are in financial distress. What's going on out there? Yeah, I think definitely the interest rates and the increase in cost of living have had a major impact on people's budgets. I mean, we're, we're seeing an increase in the debt levels for sure and uh, more people that are calling us now that are in a lot more desperate straits than they were six months ago, a year ago. I think people are starting to feel the pinch. Maybe why you're not hearing about it on the news is because it hasn't quite hit yet. I mean, the reality... It's going to get worse? Well, I, I believe that the, the headlines will get worse, yes. But, I mean, the underlying causes... Uh, are already sort of starting to set in, right? The increased interest and uh, increased mortgage costs, increased cost of living. I mean, that's impacting everyone's budgets. But it does take a long time for that to sort of work its way through the system. I mean, they say from an interest rate increase perspective, it takes about three quarters or 18 months before those uh, effects are really felt in full. And so if you look back, I mean, really when we started to see some major changes in our uh, economy around the costs of, of borrowing uh, it was in September, which was 18 months basically to the day from the first rate increase back in March of uh, 2022. Well, this is something that I never understood because they always call those interest rate hikes lagging indicators. And with it lagging, 
they have no idea what kind of damage they're doing. So if the Bank of Canada raises interest rates and we don't actually see the impact of that result for three quarters potentially, they kept raising rates every month and they did it, what, 10 times in a row. So if the damage was done after the third interest rate hike, we would have seen that already. If it was done after the fifth or sixth, they've still got 10 more to go. I guess it's the best way to look at it. Absolutely. I mean, the analogy I use is it's like trying to warm yourself by uh, the fuse on a stick of dynamite. <laughs> so it's how many sticks hmm. of dynamite do we yeah. have to light to stay warm? But, I mean, you don't know how much of an explosion you're going to create until it actually uh, gets to the end. And so continually lighting those sticks of dynamite, hoping that you didn't light too many, uh, it's a tough call. I mean, they've. It, it's going to – time will tell whether – Everything they've done was correct, whether they've overshot or undershot. We, we'll see. What's your best guess? I, I'd be shocked if they haven't overshot. I mean, I think the reality is is that the the costs have gone up so significantly for so many people, and uh, they've been able to manage because there was a lot of savings. There was a lot of money that people had sort of built up, uh, accumulated through the pandemic. Equity obviously had increased significantly in houses. Housing prices went up a lot during the pandemic. So I think... We've been able to weather it for a while, but I mean, from what I'm seeing, debt levels are just increasing, right? And so people are able to borrow from Peter to pay Paul. People, the last thing they won't pay is their mortgage. So even though the costs have gone up significantly on the mortgage, they're able to borrow some money on a credit card or on a, you know, some other credit facility right. to make those payments. And so we're able to sort of kick the can down the line in hopes that the rates will change. Um, but I, I, I believe that they've overshot for sure. And I think it will go the other way, but it's going to take a bit of time. Do you think that there's people, well, you, you must know, is there people like borrowing from credit cards and lines of interest to pay car loans and mortgages? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a very common behavior. Oh, my God. Then you're paying double the, the interest. Yeah, I, think, I don't think people look at it that way, though. I mean, I, one of the things I explain to anyone that we talk to is that your debt's never your problem. When, when people have debt, the debt's really a symptom. The problem is you have a budget that doesn't work. Now, right now, part of the reason the budget doesn't work is because the interest rates are so high mm -hmm. and because you're needing to pay more for those basic uh, expenses, your, your mortgage or your rent. And, uh, you know, if you've got 5000 a month going out and 3000 a month coming in, how do you fill that gap, right? And the only way to do that is with credit. Most people who come into my office, if they owe, you know, $50,000. It's not like they went and had a big trip and, and, you know, traveled around the world and spent it all a week ago. It was a slow accumulation over a period of time. I actually know somebody and their whole philosophy right now is crazy because they had a lot of equity in their home, which I guess you could in a way kind of consider cash if you cash out. Also had a line of credit and had credit cards and, and he's shopping right now. And I said to him, what are you doing? Like, didn't you tell me your mortgage has gone up like double? And he's like, Honest to God, dude, I will never, ever be able to pay all this back. So I'm just going to live my life and enjoy my 30s. And whatever happens at the end happens. If I have to file for bankruptcy, I have to file for bankruptcy. But this guy's just going to max out his credit and then throw his hands in the air at the end and say, ah, I tried. I don't recommend it. No, I don't. <laughs> If someone really did want to figure out a plan, I mean, I assume that that's where you would step in, right? So they're at their... their at their wits end, basically trying to figure out. And like you said, you know, trying to pay it off with, with lines of credit or do you, they, do they come to you when they're not sure what to do and, and you come up with a plan? Like, how does that work? Yeah. I mean, I think 
people will come to the realization that they are in trouble or that they aren't sure what to do um, at different points, right? Obviously, some people who come to see us are in desperate straits and they need immediate help. Other people, it's more a matter of giving them some coaching and trying to help figure out a plan for the next month or two. So, yeah, I mean, we help people at all kinds of uh, or in all kinds of different situations and at different points in that process. But, yeah, I think people who are struggling, um, you know, if they're finding that they're just not able to get ahead, it's a good idea to talk to somebody, whether it's a, a licensed insolvency trustee, a financial advisor, their accountant, whoever they trust, but to try to look at the situation and figure out what's going on. Because usually if you catch it early, you have more options than if you get to the end and, mm-hmm. you know, yet you're forced. Yeah. So how does it work when somebody calls you? Let, let's say they've just got a lot of debt and, and they're getting calls, they're getting harassed, like the debt collection agencies and hydros threatening to shut them down and this, that, and the other thing. You probably feel like you're looking up a mountain at that point. How do you get involved here and say, let's figure it out and and let's get your debt taken care of and get you back to being a productive uh, person in the economy? Right. Yeah. So I think the first like the first step is for us just to assess the situation, understand what's going on, what the issues are, and to see what options are available. And there are different ways that we can help people to deal with those situations. Can you see someone's debt? Like if somebody comes to you and says, here's my SIN number or whatever, can you just look it up and say, oh, yeah, you owe this much money? Not really. I mean, people put a lot of faith in the credit reports, but creditors are not required to report anything to any of the credit reporting agencies. So it is possible you could owe money to creditors that aren't reporting. Um, people can give us their permission to access their credit file. And we can look at that to see what's out there and who is reporting. And generally speaking, that's a reasonable uh, guide of what's owing, but it's not necessarily a guarantee for everything. Usually people have a pretty good idea. I mean, if you're in debt and you're being called by different creditors, getting those collection calls, generally you know who's calling and you have some idea of how much is owing. Most people have a pretty good idea or understanding of what the problem is. Often they don't add it all up. They may not realize how deep the hole is until I help them to go through item by item and and add it all up. But they generally know who they owe. Does it surprise you sometimes when you hear from from people who approach you at how good their jobs are and how much money they make? Because we hear this all the time from people who have good, they have good jobs. And by all means, 10 years ago, probably that salary should have been more than fine to have enough money in the bank plus pay all the stuff. And now we're hearing more and more like our household is well over $100,000, but we can't even like we're in the hole. Does it surprise you sometimes even to hear from people who say, this is how much I make, this is what I do. And then even they can't make ends meet. Yeah, I mean, two points. One, it is definitely people who come to see us aren't necessarily the people that a lot of others might expect, right? It is people who are employed, who do have good jobs, who are making good incomes. That's the most common client that comes into our office. In terms of, you know, looking at their actual budget and their income, it's the same issue that we talked about earlier. If you're making 10000 a month and you're spending twelve, you're going to have the same sort of mm-hmm. problem as somebody who's making right. 3000 and spending five. I mean, the, the bottom line is whatever the income figure is, you have to be able to figure out a budget that allows you to live within that number. And if you're not, that excess accumulation of debt is going to eventually bite you. So how does it work when you file a consumer proposal? And maybe first we should specify there's a difference between bankruptcy and a consumer proposal. The bankruptcy is final. That's the one that goes through court, right? Well, they all go through court, right? So the the Bankruptcy and Insolvency Act is federal legislation. And that legislation allows licensed insolvency trustees like myself to utilize legislated debt solutions to help people deal with their creditors. And there's two main 
options that are available. A proposal, which is a debt settlement. And so with a proposal, it stops the interest, it prevents creditor action, it consolidates all the debt into one payment, and it settles it for some percentage of what's Mm -hmm. owing. So proposal equals settlement or, or compromise of the debt. A bankruptcy is a different process. It's a legislated process that allows people to be discharged or released of their obligations, and they have to follow a certain uh, process or steps to, to get to that point. And uh, it usually bankruptcy will involve, you know, surrendering assets, if there are any, that, that are available for creditors. So there's differences between those two processes, but essentially they accomplish the same thing, which is to allow the debtor to be released of their obligations. Got it. So bankruptcy is the one where if you filed for bankruptcy, you're probably never going to get a mortgage again or not for many years, right? That's not really true. No? I mean, both consumer proposal and bankruptcy would negatively impact someone's credit. But like I explained to people, just because you have a bad mark on your credit doesn't mean you're in the penalty box and that you can't play. Um, You're still able to get credit. Banks and and, uh, creditors make money by lending money. And so even if you have bad credit as a result of a proposal or bankruptcy filing, there are still lenders out there who will deal with you. Now, mortgages are trickier. People often ask, you know, when can I buy a house if I go bankrupt? Well, I mean, the credit rating is really not the issue. I mean, credit rating is one factor that allows you to apply for and get approved for a mortgage. The real question, if you're going to try to buy a house is, where do you get the $100,000 down payment right. or however much it is that you need? And how long will it take for you to save that up? And so when people start doing the math, they're like, well, you know, it'll probably take me a number of years to save up that money. Well, your credit rating is going to long, long recover before you ever get to the point where you're in a position to buy a house. Mm. So if you file a consumer proposal, this needs to get accepted by the court, you were saying, right? Uh, well, accepted by the creditors. It's approved by the court. The approval is really a rubber stamp, but it, it, it's the creditors that have to accept. So if somebody's got a car payment and a line of credit and credit card debt and stuff like that, you can consolidate all that into one payment and and potentially even knock off some of what they owe through this proposal. In theory, yeah. I mean, there there are different types of creditors, right? So the car payment would be a different type of creditor. It's a secured loan because they hold the car as collateral. So consumer proposals, bankruptcy deal with unsecured debt. So you're dealing with the credit cards, the lines of credit, those creditors that don't have any collateral. There are ways to deal with secured creditors, but it would involve surrendering the the collateral. So there's no way to not pay your car loan and go bankrupt and keep your car. That doesn't happen. Got a great DM from somebody who was listening to After 9 last week, and his job is to go and serve people on behalf of creditors. And he said he's never been this busy. He said he starts off his day in Mississauga and Brampton. Then he goes Guelph, Kitchener, Cambridge. Then he goes out to Hamilton. And he said it is a full day of serving people nonstop all day. And these are likely people who are going to have their cars repossessed. Is that happening a lot, by the way? I mean, certainly it seems, yeah, we see a lot of that. I mean, people who are in financial difficulty, they can't make their payment, whether it be a car or a mortgage or whatever the case may be. I mean, creditors have a right to take back the asset that's held as collateral. And so... Uh, when people's budgets are stretched, they the car may be one of the things that they're unable to continue with. Recreational property like uh, trailers and, and, and the like. Cottages? Well, cottages would be real estate, right? Oh, right. So be, yes. That would be okay. a mortgage similar to a house. But other movable property like a, a boat or a, a RV uh, car. Mm-hmm. Th- those are very common that people get those repossessed. I feel like your job is probably just as much about like just facts and figuring things out. It's as much emotional as, as it is about just figuring stuff out because there's a lot of emotion behind this, right? I mean, you've probably seen people, they're at the one of their worst spots in their life, if not the worst spots in their life when they come see you. 
How do you like train yourself for something like that? Because I feel like you probably hear all kinds of stories. I think actually that's why I really like this job. Yeah. And not because I like to see people in a hard spot, but I feel like I'm like a doctor. I didn't break your leg, yeah. but I can fix it. Right. Yeah. And so being able to, with a few strokes of a pen, fix somebody's life for the better and help them when they leave my office to know that they're on a better path and that they're going to be able to go forward. That That's what makes me want to go to work. That's what makes me want to help the people. So that's nice. I mean, it is uh it, it's definitely something I think for people coming in the office, it's not a positive thing. I think people put off calling us. They're afraid, they're scared, mm-hmm. they're embarrassed. I understand. I get it. Right. And, uh, you know, so we try to act in this with as little judgment and, and keep it to the facts, just like you would if you went to your doctor's office and you had a problem. Right. I mean, you don't, there's obviously emotion when there's a health issue. I mean, this is sort of your financial health. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, we're, we're just there to try to help find a good solution and get people set on the right path. How much does this cost? Like, do people pay you to do this or do you get it? I'm, I'm wondering how you make money. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on what we're doing with it. With a proposal, the fees are legislated and they're paid out of the settlement. So there's no upfront cost. There's no fee that people pay directly to our office. Essentially, the creditors are paying the trustee to help them collect the money because those fees are legislated, whether I'm the trustee or any other trustee in Canada were to file a proposal for a similar amount of money the way that those funds are distributed, the amount retained by the trustee for fees would be the exact same to the penny. So there's no direct cost in a proposal where, uh, you know, we don't ask for a filing fee or no one has to come in with cash to, to get started. Um, with a bankruptcy, depending again on the situation, if there's assets that are recovered, generally the trustee fees are legislated and will be paid out of those assets. In cases where there's, you know, no, no assets or just no money there, there's a minimum filing fee um, that, that people would pay. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are dealing with debt right now that uh, they're getting those calls nonstop. Will they just go away? Like if you just don't answer the phone for a while, will they just say, yeah, you know, fuck it. It's not worth it. And just stop. If it were that simple, I wouldn't have a job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to figure they must get sick of calling every day. So eventually they'll just say, yeah, it's not worth it. Well, I think you have to look at who's calling, right? I mean, the people who are calling, they get paid a commission based on what they collect generally. I mean, that's how a collection agency gets paid. A collection agency is paid a percentage of whatever they're able to collect. So whenever people are dealing with those collectors, they have to keep in mind that the collector is going to say or do whatever they think they can to scare, intimidate, pester you know, to get you to give them some money because that's how they get paid, right? But, but they're not allowed to call you after you've stepped in. Is that right? So once a trustee files a proposal or a bankruptcy, there's what's called a stay of proceedings, which stops all creditor action, all collection activity. And at that point, the creditors, yeah, they're not supposed to be calling after that. And if they do, then we can get involved and, and help to stop the calls. Hmm. Do you think interest rates will go up again is the million dollar oh, question. Oh, here we go. If I had to bet, no. But I mean, I... Who knows? I've been wrong. I've been wrong a few times. I didn't think they'd get to, I didn't, I wasn't sure they'd get to the level they're currently at either. So when do you see it going down? If you had to guess, if you had to guess, a lot of people want to know if you gave a month, which month are we into next year? At least please. Well, I would think we're into next year for sure. I mean, 2023 is almost over. So I would think by mid 2024, I expect the rates will start to come down. I think the problem is going to be Again, going back to what we talked about earlier with the interest rate increases being like lighting sticks of dynamite, you don't know how bad it is until Mm -hmm. those uh, bombs start to go off. And we're starting to see that now as more and more mortgages renew Mm -hmm. and more and more people are forced to renew at those higher rates, uh, mortgages that may have been previously affordable are going to become rapidly unaffordable. And so 
unless there's going to be a real major downturn and they're going to allow that to happen, which I think is counter to what they're trying to accomplish, I would expect that they will be forced to lower some rates in the not too distant future. If you had to give the economy overall a grade, where would you say we are right now? I think our economy, if I had to describe our economy, I would say it's manic, right? We go from one extreme to the other, right? We, Mm -hmm. We were in COVID where interest rates were ultra low and they were too low for too long, right? We had way too much government support. We had way too much money sloshing around in the economy. The result of that is what we have now, where you have high inflation, you've got, you know, costs increasing. So we are like a pendulum and we swing from one extreme to the other. Now I think we're too far on the other side. Now you don't see that yet because it takes time for the effects of those rate increases to play through. So does it get back to equilibrium? Probably not. I mean, I think it's like a pendulum. It swings back and forth. So I think now it's going to start swinging the other way eventually, right? Jeez, that's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. It is a great true, way. Especially yeah. with the amount of money. It's true over COVID. I'm also curious about businesses. Do you do businesses or just personal? We mainly do personal, but we do help a lot of people who own and run businesses. Very often, personal uh, debt issues, personal insolvency is the result of involvement in business, right? Ah. So people who've had a business where the business failed or due to their role in the company, they were forced to personally guarantee various loans or obligations of the company. So Hmm. we help a lot of people who have business involvement for sure. So it's anecdotal, but I've heard a number of people, including the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, speculate that early in the new year, we're going to see a lot of businesses go under. There's some who are hanging on for the cash influx that usually comes in November and December, and then they're going to shut her down. There's others who, unless they get some support from those pandemic SIBA loans, then they just won't be able to operate either. And and apparently the hospitality industry in particular is really struggling because people don't have any disposable income. Yeah, I mean, that's the overall effect of a slowing economy, right? I mean, when there's just less money available. And, and I mean, you think logically, when interest rates are low, when, you're, when your living costs are less, you have more money available in your personal budget. I mean, think of it just for your own personal situation, not on the macro level, but individually. And that extra money, then what do you do with it? You spend it, right? You go out and you go out for dinner. You take a holiday. You, you do whatever you're going to do. And that's keeping those businesses operating. As costs increase, people have to hunker down. They have to cut back. What do you cut first? Those, disp- those discretionary expenses, those dinners out, the trips, that stuff is the, the least painful to, to cut from the budget mm-hmm. to try to keep things, keep things going. So it only makes sense that those businesses in those industries would be the first ones to feel the, the, the squeeze, right? Okay. We're, we're low on time, and we've already taken up way too much of your time, but just a couple more questions. What do you see happening with the housing market? Detached houses, townhouses, I think condos. I mean, soon there's going to be a condo for everybody who wants Honest one. Honest to goodness. But yeah. we, we don't seem to be building detached houses and townhouses at the same rate we used to because there's such a focus on condos. Are people that are in a detached home or a townhouse now going to see a big windfall coming or is the whole thing going to be stagnant because nobody has any money? Man, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be sitting here. Yeah, right yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Not on this shitty podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, guys, you guys could call me. I'd be somewhere yeah. south and warm. Yeah. I, I don't know. But. This is not Joe Rogan. I am not picking up. <laughs> um, well, I think there's a whole lot of factors that go into where housing prices go. I mean, if you look strictly at interest rates, you would think they should have come down more significantly already. Mm-hmm. But then when you look at the massive immigration that's occurred over the past number of years and the increased demand, that 
offset some of the domestic reduction in demand, right? Because you've just got more people. So I think it's, it's a tough one. And, and when you look at, you know, single detached homes versus condos, where are you going to build them? I mean, whenever people talk about housing prices coming down, I don't, my, you know, my friends who are plumbers and electricians, they're not getting paid less now, right? The cost of building supplies aren't less. Land isn't cheaper. How do you build a house for less money? How do you make affordable housing? How do you, how do you build something that is going to cost more today to build than it did two or three years ago, but have it cost the same? Right. That, that's doesn't, I mean, just logically, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not saying I have the answer, but that's, I think, the question. And I, I don't see how that's possible, right? So I don't see housing prices, you know, I don't, I don't think they're going to collapse. I don't think they can because the cost to create another house is significantly higher than what it was. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. If you were, and I wish you were, the governor of the Bank of Canada, because <laughs> the current one's a bit of an asshole. If you were the the uh, the head of the Bank of Canada right now, and you could just pick out a, a sweet spot that you think would work for everybody, for the lenders, for consumers, for everybody, where should rates land, do you think? I mean, again, that's a real tough question, too. And I mean, part of the challenge the Bank of Canada has is the mandate that it has from the federal government, right? Which I mean, is control inflation. Right. And, and control inflation at a 2% rate, right? I mean, if, if we want to change our plans going forward, you could change the mandate, right? I mean, we could say, hey, we're willing to accept a 3% rate of inflation, in which case that answer is different, right? And, and rate cuts could come sooner and maybe be more severe, but you're going to accept a higher year-over-year increase in cost. To get to where they want to get, I mean, I certainly don't think we need to increase rates further. Uh, I think it's a question of rates will come down and are just a matter of when, right? And probably, as I said, mid-next year, I would expect is a reasonable timeline. Do you see them panicking at all? As in like, oh, shit, there's a ton of businesses closing. People are losing their jobs. You know what? Slash them from five down to three right away. Could you see like full point or point and a half even drops? I think that would be tough. I mean, you got to remember the Bank of Canada just got huge bonuses, so all there. They all always there, do. Yeah, everybody, yeah. Everybody's getting paid yeah. on you that. Hear end, my so eyes there. rolling. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, is it possible? Sure, but I think the conditions that would have to exist for that to happen would be pretty extreme. I expect we stepped up, you know, in sort of quarter point intervals. I think we'll probably step down similarly. Got it. If they drop them big time, it's them having to admit they got it wrong, right? Hundred percent. And they're not going to do that. I don't think anyway. Unless they're forced. Yeah, unless they're forced. Okay, Chris, this has been a great chat. Thank you so much for coming in. How does someone get a hold of you if they think they might need your services? And again, there's nothing up front, right? Like you get paid yeah. out of the back end. Of no, it. There, uh, every consultation we offer is free of charge. So there's no cost to call us, no cost to talk to me or any of the staff at my office. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us online at the website, welker.ca. W-E-L-K-E-R.ca, or you can call the office toll-free from anywhere in Ontario, 1-800-332-8093. If you miss that, just hit the back button. It goes back about 10 seconds on your pod, <laughs> and you can hear Chris say that all over again. Uh, thank you. This was great. Thank you for that. Yeah, it's really good. Educational. I think a lot of people will find it very useful. Well, thank sure. you very much for having me in. I'm very happy to help out anytime I can. What are you going to do when things go back to normal in the economy? Are we going to start golfing a little more? Because you seem pretty busy right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely a lot busier than we were, that's for sure. Yeah. But we'll still make time for golf, Scott. Don't Love worry. it. We'll get out. Love it. Still got to go for a ride in that new car, too. Let's go. All right. Chris Welker from Welker & Associates. One of the best jingles you'll ever hear. Hopefully you've heard it. Money <laughs> problems go away. At Welker.ca. Welker. 
We got to go too, everybody. Have a great day. A brand new After 9 tomorrow. Right now, we leave you with the replay of today's Missed Connections. Bye-bye. Missed Connections. Missed Connections on the Scott and Cat Show. All right. Let's fire up the piano and start telling stories here. That sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. It's clean and it's ready to go. So this is how Missed Connections works. If you're a new listener to the Scott and Cat Show, people go online all the time and tell the story of how they met somebody, but they lost contact. We see those stories and we bring them to you right here on the radio. We'll start here with this struggling father and farm boy. You were the guy with three kids I saw in Farm Boy. I noticed you struggling as your kids weren't listening to you. I tried to give you the sweetest sympathetic smile I could muster. I did try to entertain the small one by playing peekaboo. Not sure if you noticed. You left abruptly with your cart full of stuff after one kid knocked over a shelf of walnuts. Oh no. Oh no. You shouldn't be embarrassed. It's okay. It was a mess though. Walnuts everywhere. Don't worry. I helped the kid at Farm Boy clean them up after you <laughs> left. So wait, the kid knocked it over and he's like, Forget it. Let's get out of here. We gotta move. <laughs> well, that's somebody else's problem well, now. You can never come back here again. Thanks, kids. <laughs> Shopping with kids sucks. You know, I feel this guy. Three little kids and trying to shop with them by yourself, I couldn't imagine. I, um, is that the best bet? Is that your best move? Your kid has just knocked over a whole bunch of nuts and there's walnuts everywhere. (laughs) Just grab the kids and get out. Like, just leave your cart where it is or do you just pretend it didn't happen? Do you keep shopping? I'd probably pretend. If my cart was full, I'd be like, I've come too far. I'm just going to pretend this didn't happen or I'll call someone over and I'll be like, I'm sorry. Or make a game for the kids. Like, pick up the walnuts, kids, and put them back. Have fun doing that. Do you do, like, the foot broom and just try to, like, move them all into a pile? (laughs) Yeah. It's all fun and games until, like, granny comes by and trips over them. Ain't nobody want to get sued. But they will clean it right away, by the way. That's what they're there for. They don't want anyone to get hurt. So so don't be afraid to say, hey, I, I did this. Have you ever done that? Walk down an aisle and just find something there? Like, I saw a smashed jar of pickles in the middle of an aisle once. I thought, oh, I see what happened here. <laughs> there are cameras. Not that they'll get you in trouble, but that's the thing. They want to clean it up. They don't want anyone to get hurt. Exactly. And that's the main thing. So this woman saw this guy with these three children, these demons that he's got there that just wreck things in a grocery store. And she's actually interested. It seems like it. Wow. Well, I don't know. I lucky think you, dude. I think so, too. That's great. Like, this, is a, this is a single dad. I mean, we can't tell, I guess, by this, but, I mean, she was playing peekaboo and trying her best. Sounds like he needs some help, cleaning so this up, is a good thing. Cleaning up walnuts. Were they still in the shell, or was it just, like, I'd walnuts love, all I'd, over? I'd love to know. Yeah. Even if they were in the shell, though, then wouldn't they be the... I don't know which one's worse, actually. I can't figure out which one of you worst scenario. <laughs> Either way, not a fun day. For that kid that works at Farm Boy. Uh, Shopper's Clearance, this one's called. Well, well. If it was Price Chopper, they just put him back in the box and back (laughs) on the shelf. (laughs) Well, well. Hello there, sexy pants. I saw your photo on the police Facebook page. You stole electronics from Shopper's Drug Mart. They got you dead on, looking right at the camera, babe. But that was a good thing for me, because you sure is pretty. So, this is a misconnection for reals. I've never seen you in person, but wanted you to know I'm interested in going out sometime. 
So far, I think your name might be Samantha. You might live in the west end of town. At least that's what I gathered from the comment section of the photo that was posted of you on that cop page. Just so you know, they seem to have a lot of information. <laughs> you might want to turn yourself in or hide. In like three to five years, let's do a date at your place because you'll probably be on house arrest at that point. <laughs> like I said, it's a pretty clear image. Hopefully we can chat soon. XO, sweetie. What are those people thinking? What are they thinking? What are they thinking? Because you see them. I know what he... They're, they're on every police Facebook page. It's always got to be like shoppers. And someone tries to make out with stuff. And they got a clear picture. You might as well smile on your way out. Stole some headphones and a USB drive yeah. at shoppers. <laughs> and now I'm on the cop's Facebook page. <laughs> hey, I know her. I went to school there. Her name's Samantha. <laughs> when everybody sells you out. <laughs> I still have her childhood phone number if it helps. Why is he interested? Why? That's, this is a better question, right? Like, why? The, the, the sweet story about the father, the, the father struggling, I feel like that's, I get it. You know, you're sympathetic. This, this girl? Hey, Klepto, let's go out on a date and then not pay for it after we eat. <laughs> they could be a couple of crime. A classy couple right there. Oh, wow. Well, good luck to them. I hope it works out. It's the Scott and Cat Show.